Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Bischoff and Brown right here on the Detroit Lions podcast. He's Scott Bischoff. I'm Russ Brown. We're back. It's the NFC Championship Week. It's Championship Weekend. Yeah, I'm pride. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. We talked about this in length weeks ago that this team is different, but we didn't know it was this different, and we didn't expect it this fast or this soon. And whoa, I, can I swear on this show? Are we good? Can I just say yeah. what a what a fucking ride it has been. What what a ride it has been, man. I cannot perfect, believe perfect way to summarize it. It really is. Perfect. This team is 60 minutes of football away from a Super Bowl. It is absolutely crazy. Like I'm I don't cuss on the show very often. I treat this like radio, but I got to drop some F bombs because this is it's fantastic, man. It is fantastic. But Scott, how the hell are you? I'm great. Uh, um where do we yeah, begin? It is surreal. Uh, uh I mean it does speak to it speaks to how much you know, us Lions fans have endured over the years, right? For this to mean so much. Right. Um, but, but I mean, families are coming together and, you know, I mean, it's like this, this is, it's, you put it perfectly. It, it, it's been an incredible ride. Uh, we hope it doesn't end. There's no reason to think that it should. I mean, you know, obviously somebody has to win and somebody has to lose, but, uh, you know, the Lions are in the NFC title game because they absolutely deserve to be there. Period. Right. End of story. And yep. are the 49ers uh a better team? Yeah, technically they're the one seed, but yep. You know, uh I feel I don't feel like you know, I don't feel like I felt in the past where, you know, and I've said it on this show like there were times when they were in the playoffs where it was like don't even get on the plane, what's the point? You right. Know? Right. That is that is not the vibe at all. If anything, you know, it's a little similar to, you know, week one of the playoffs and week two of the playoffs where, you know, you sort of expect if you play well, right, and and you execute and you get a few things to go your way, there's no reason, there's no reason to think that the Lions can't win this game. Yeah. And that's it's just crazy to think like that, but that's where we are. And I, and I, we talked we talked off off air before we came on, and we're both kind of in this place where the expectation is 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 there. Like you know, we're in a good place with it, but neither I don't think either of us are really sweating this matchup. It's a tough matchup. They're a good team. They're a really good team, but so are the Lions. Yeah, you know. So it's a long way of saying I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> How are you? I'm great, man. I'm great. I never have seen this in my life. Um, I talk to my dad almost every day, and every conversation is about Lions football. And yeah, it's been awesome. It's been awesome. He watches the show. Um, he loves the show, and it's just it's crazy to think that this this team is is where they are. I just never would have guessed it. You sent me a text earlier today talking about Brad Holmes's drafts and. Um, yeah, we're going to get into that. 
yeah, we're we're, we're going to talk about that as we as we kind of briefly talk about the Bucks game uh, real quick because that's our setup. Just so people know, we know the thumbnail on the video say and yeah. it's championship preview. We review and then we preview. That's what we do. That's what we do. You guys need to rate, review, and subscribe to Detroit Lions Podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast platforms. So, yeah, I mean, look, we we win our second playoff game. We're spoiled right now. We win back-to-back playoff games at home, 30-23. to 23, Got a little bit close. It was a closer game than maybe some people thought, but as we talked about last week and even as we... You know, you, you just look at it. It's the playoffs. It's hard to win in this league. And the Bucks are a good football team. They're well coached. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're playing well. They're playing right at the, you know, at the right time. They were playing well. And they took off, you know, the, the NFC champs from last year in the Philadelphia Eagles, as we saw. And we just beat them. And it was one of those where in the fourth quarter, Jared Goff turned it on. Ben Johnson did not call a great game. Um up until the fourth quarter, but Jared Goff since week 10 has been on the money in the fourth quarter. Um, I, I'm going to pull up some of these stats, but what was your uh, what was your takeaway as far as just this this game and anything that you're concerned with from watching this NFL, NFC divisional game with the, the Lions and the Bucks? Well, I mean, first and foremost is would be the Jonah Jackson injury. It's a huge, mm-hmm. you know, that injury and then the Ragnow residual stuff. Um, that's a big deal, but you know, um, when we get into our plays of the game kind of stuff, we'll talk about, about it a little more in length, but the ease in which the lions run the ball to me is fun to watch. And the little wrinkles that they continue to throw in week after week after week to build on top of things that you might not have seen before. So this week it was that, that. You know, pulling Penny Sewell all the way across the formation and almost, you know, in a very strange manner, having him kick out the corner instead of a defensive end. Right. Which is like, you know, if you're a corner and he's and you see him there, it's like, you know, I'm going to widen. I'm going to get out to the sideline. I want I want nothing to do with any of this. Yeah. So just uh, to me, you know, seeing some of that in the fourth quarter, the way they were running the ball. The throw that Goff made, the touchdown throw to Amon Ra was ridiculous. And it was, it's I'm such running. an important time, you know, and it was, it's just incredible. The touch on that throw, the confidence to make that throw, the design of that play. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know who the receiver was. I can't remember who it was, but there's a little rub out there where, where it's kind of a half pick kind of play. Mm-hmm. And, the presence of mind for the receiver not to touch and not to get physically involved, you know, mm-hmm. um, knowing that Amon Ra was likely going to be open there. It's just, you know, I, the execution. So the, the, to answer your question, I just the execution on offense was spectacular. Yeah. It really was. That was the takeaway for me from, you know, from watching the second half. Um it was, I think it was 10-10 at the half, and it was like, all right, we got 30 minutes of pretty exciting playoff football ahead of us. Yeah. yeah. Let's see what happens, right? And- yeah. And it was 17-17 in the, going into the fourth, and like I said, Jared Goff, for whatever reason, and however he's doing it, turns it on in the fourth quarter. Uh, since week 10, I'm reading this. This was on the uh, Up and Adams show with Kay Adams, 
and um, she flashed this graphic on there, or they flashed it or whatever. And it was since week 10, including the playoffs, he's averaging 92.7 yards passing in the fourth quarter, almost a 74% completion percentage, seven passing touchdowns, and his passer rating is 113.7. All of these are first in the NFL. Why is it good? (laughs) I would say it's pretty good when we're talking about all the quarterbacks in this league from Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Brock Purdy, the list goes on. And Jared Goff is number one in the fourth quarter. I think, you know, that's pretty important. And yeah, I, I just, he's playing at an MVP caliber level, whether you love him or hate him, he should be in the conversation at least. I don't know why anybody at this point would, would hate him. Like, I can understand there there being reservations about his game, right? Things that you worry about, but mm-hmm. at this point in time, I, you know he's paid. That's a that's a, an ironic word, uh, a Freudian slip. He's played at a level that's high enough that that it should make any of us who were detractors, and I'll own it. You know, um, I think he's he's made every one of us shut up about it. And he deserves every penny he gets, period. And at this point, yep. extend him because he's given you you know what you you know what the floor is with him. You know what you know what you're gonna get out of him. It's mm-hmm. good enough he can duplicate it. Yeah. Can he duplicate this season next year? Absolutely he can. If not, if anything, maybe production wise you, you get a little more. You right. know? But he's played he's playing at a level which he deserves everything coming his way. He really does. So, yep, um, it was great. I mean, it was incredible to watch it and see it all play out. You know, yeah. it just was. Yeah, no, he he's just finding ways to turn it on when it matters most for them, and he's he's steady Eddie, man. He's steady Eddie, and I don't think you can ask for much more from a quarterback, um, especially in this league. And and we of all fans of, of a team know how hard it is to find that position. And the fact that the Lions got not one, but two first-round picks and Jared Goff for giving up Matthew Stafford, who won zero here. Yeah. It's pretty damn good. I mean, it's well, pretty good, rewarding. And That's a good segue. Do you want to do you want to talk about Holmes before we get to our play of the game, or do you want to do it after? Uh, yeah, no, we can uh, we can do it before. I, I just wanted to talk quickly on just the, the defense in the NFC divisional game. Uh, right. Just... I got to give a shout out to Aaron Glenn. I dogged him earlier in the year. We spent like 10 minutes to open a show weeks ago and I was dogging him and he has turned it around in the last five or six weeks. This team has only given up 20, 21 points a game on average over the last several weeks. They're able to, they're able to score 24 to 28 points on average offensively easily. And it's one of those where he threw everything out there on Sunday against the Bucks, And it was one of those where when I'm breaking down the tape, I'm seeing odd man fronts, which I have not seen from this defense all year long. We yeah. saw Aiden Hutchinson drop into coverage quite a bit, which is fine. Not our biggest thing that we want to see, but it's cool to see. Um, furthermore, it's one of those where he was sugaring the A-gaps, which is essentially taking both inside linebackers, plugging them in the A-gap and dropping them back into mid-hook rolls. And just... Everything that he was doing was great. And I know Cam Sun got burned. He gave up like eight or eight or nine receptions in this game. But it's one of those where a number two corner in this league is being asked to 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 cover some of the best receivers in the league from CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Mike Evans, with very limited safety help because the Lions always are running, you know, essentially man coverage or cover three. Those are their two base coverages. 
They like yeah. to buzz a safety down into the box and they like to float one in the middle third of the field. So I just, I, I loved what I saw from this defense. And I think if this team can play collectively as a defensive unit this coming Sunday in the NFC Championship game, it will do wonders for them. And who knows, maybe we're doing the show next week. I'll be in Mobile, Alabama. I hope you're there with me. I don't know if you're going or not, but I am not. Well, we'll still we'll still do the show. We'll find a way to do the show um, and recap the NFC Championship game and and maybe talk a little whatever we're talking about. I don't know, but yeah, yeah, yeah no. Uh, um, but it, that's it. I mean, it was a great great game, great win. Um, and to kind of just take it a step further, play of the week powered by our friends at Restore. You guys already know the drill, and I, I got to tell you all about them as as this brand and, and this business has been awesome for me, my family, and I hope they do the same for you guys. You know, maybe you're an athlete, maybe you have kids that are athletes, you're trying to get back in the gym, you're just not recovering like you used to. We got a solution for you. Go check out our friends over at Restore Hyper Wellness here in Northville and Birmingham, Michigan. My son goes, I go, we love it. He's a three-sport athlete. I'm back in the gym a couple times a week. And we go just to get our bodies right by visiting Restore. So they've got everything you need from compressions to cryotherapy, even specialty services such as IV trip, IV trip therapy, um, intramuscular shots, everything you need, seriously. So just after one visit, I felt better. I've been hooked ever since. My son's been hooked. My wife's hooked. Uh, they got a ton of special offers right now, things such as... Um, two cryotherapy sessions for 30 bucks, or you can save 50% on your first IV and a lot more. You just got to check them out. So uh, get a family member, a friend, even yourself, the service you need to restore your body. Tell them I sent you from the Detroit Lions podcast. They'll give you a little something extra there so they can get you taken care of so you can get back to doing more of what you love. Don't wait around. Go check out Restore Hyper Wellness now. You can also check them out at Restore dot com so you got anything for hair loss or any other sort of treatments if you know what i'm saying <laughs> they might i don't know you got to go check them out <laughs> you, you you never know but no it's a great facility but you 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 you're ruining my segue into my play of the week so i'm gonna make you i'm putting you on the spot i want to hear your play of the week okay so uh <laughs> i wish i had the time stamp i don't have the time stamp um, okay. There is a running play in which Tampa has eight defenders in the box, and it's a running play to uh, Gibbs. And pretty much um, the the front the play side is to let's say to the offensive line's left, and that's where the handoff starts. And I think the design is for there to be a little cutback, but like mm -hmm. a quick cutback. Because on the backside of the play is Penny Sewell and really nobody else. So um, Glasgow executes a down block. And I, I want to say Ragnall gets out to the second level and, and just kind of seals off a, a linebacker. But it just sets up to where there's this – I sent you a picture. There's a huge running lane. And Gibbs hits it. But what's awesome about, about the play is the awareness of Penny Sewell. And we're, we haven't talked – We've talked about him a lot, but it's not been enough for how good he is. So he has to reach his guy, the guy in his gap, and he does, and he tries to execute kind of like a, you know, like a statue, you know, kind of pull it on his, his arms, get him in the dirt kind of thing, but he can't pull it off. And it's not because the guy's stronger than him or any of these things. The problem is, is that Sewell in the middle of doing this recognizes that there's a, a 
defensive player who's flowing over the top of the play. And he now has to sort of abandon his initial guy and let him go. But he's, he's, he's kind of, he's sullied him to the point where this guy's going to end up on his face anyway. And he's able to get his right arm out and block this, this defender coming over the top. So again, it's eight defenders in this small area and he's responsible for two of them. And Gibbs cuts right back to where both of the guys that Sewell's blocking almost get Gibbs. And it's like, it's just, a, it's such an incredible play from Sewell to have the awareness of it all, but also to, to design it up that you're going to have the flow of the play trap six defenders, you know, pretty much away from where you're running the ball. Yeah. It's just crazy. You know, it just and as an offensive line guy, is just incredible to watch. Just yep. the design of the play and and how you would how you could, you know, all right, the offensive line's flowing left, and the defensive line's going to go with you, and we're gonna we're gonna hand it off and cut back a little bit. But the only way that play works is for Sewell to block, not not just his guy, but both of those guys. They didn't draw it up that way. It's just his awareness and his instincts to know he had to. Yeah, and you know, an incredible play. It's something, and maybe I'll maybe I'll find it and uh, put it in the, you know, on Twitter or something when when we put it up there. Look at the play at this at this mark because it's a it's a really fun play to watch. That's my play of the, of the week. There's a million of them we could have chose, but as an O line guy, that one was that was awesome. That was a great play. Yeah, no, it was that play in itself is probably one of the top plays maybe of, of the year or at least while we've been doing this segment over the last five or six weeks it, it was a great play uh and it, it's one of those where Panay Sewell earned a 97.5 run blocking grade from from PFF which you know you take those for a grain of salt but that's the highest ever in the history of that website so like he yeah. dominated in this game he has dominated in these playoffs Taylor Decker has done the same they obviously have you know, their hands full this weekend against Chase Young and Nick Bosa and that defensive line, but we'll get into detail there in a minute. My play of the week uh, here, powered by Restore, is a very simple one. It's the one that sealed the game. It was the interception from Derek Barnes, where he the, the Lions come out in their nickel package. Um, they've got Anzalone and, and Jalen Reeves Maben in the middle. And Derek Barnes is actually the defensive end on this one. And he drops into coverage. And the Lions um, ended up blitzing two guys. They ended up blitzing, I believe, Brian Branch. And they ended up blitzing Anzalone. And Jalen Reeves Maven kind of took hook curl to the right. And Barnes dropped up into the seam in the hook curl responsibility there. And for Barnes, who has been kind of ridiculed for his coverage skills or lack thereof, he got his head around. He's covering the tight end, Kate Otten, who had a huge game against the Eagles. Yeah. Was somewhat limited in this game. I mean, he had some catches and some grabs and yards and whatever, but somewhat limited in a sense. And Barnes just did a great job getting his head around, turning his eyes to, to Baker Mayfield. And it it's one of those where it's teach tape type of technique from him. And he comes down with the, the first career interception for him. It sealed the game. The place erupted. And the Lions, who... Had he not caught it, Kate Otten's probably off to the races or at least getting another 10 to 15 yards because Barnes was all kind of turned around, but he somehow got his head around. And I hope that players like Jack Campbell and even Alex Anzalone and Malcolm Rodriguez, that linebacker room, I hope they watch that over and over again because if they can just get their heads around 
a little bit a hard quicker. thing to do. But yeah, you're but right. If they, if they did it, they there are times that the Lions are in perfect position for huge plays all year long. And if they can find ways to get those those heads around, they are in position to make plays. And maybe they can do that this weekend against Brock Purdy and who knows, maybe he throws two or three interceptions in this game because of stuff like that. So I, I don't he's know. He's willing to do it. I mean, he does have, he's got a bunch of turnover luck. This, I mean, he has, he is going to put the ball into somewhat dangerous places. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right. I mean, we, you know, one of the things as, as people who like, you know, as, as scouts kind of thing is we want to see cornerbacks and defensive backs get their heads around to be able to make plays on the ball. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's really hard to find it, like at the college yep. level. And so now you've got a, a a linebacker doing it. It's pretty impressive stuff. Yeah. On, on the play that I'm talking about, it, people can find it really easy. I don't even need to leave like a, a timestamp. It's the long Jameer Gibbs touchdown. That's the play. Yep. So it, it's Gibbs' long touchdown run, and it's sprung. Just, just watch the play. It's just awesome. But yeah, I mean um, – the collective uh, breath that we all took when Barnes came down with that pick, man. Because <laughs> it was one of those where it's like, man, there's a minute 50 left, two minutes left in this game. Yep. They could drive down. They could tie this thing up. I don't want to go to overtime. I don't, you know, but. No. So we're all holding your breath. And and it was evident the Bucks didn't want to go to overtime. They no. That's why they went for two. They, you know, but. Yeah. It was a great game. Great win. We're on to the conference championship. And man, what a time. What a time to be alive. Uh, NFC Championship game. 49ers on the horizon. 6.30 kick on Fox, I believe. And it's it's definitely on Fox because the Detroit Lions Twitter page has been sending out pictures and videos all week. And they follow it up with a reply. NFC Championship game. NFL on Fox. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they've been doing work. <laughs> yeah. No, Neil Larson and his team uh, over there at the Detroit Lions on the media pages, they've been doing great stuff. So uh, be sure to obviously follow them. And of course, you guys can follow us on Twitter and X at Russ NFL Draft at Bischoff underscore Scott. So preview, what are we thinking? I mean, what what's some things, some keys that we have to focus on for the Lions and obviously on the 49ers? Well, so let's... um. We're going to make this show. The show is going to be five minutes longer than it normally is. I just want to pay. uh, I just want to give a nod out to Brad Holmes. Mm -hmm. Generally, I don't know what you think, but generally in a draft class, if you add two, let's say two players, I don't have any science on this stuff, but like if you add a few players, important players, every draft, you're doing a good job, right? Like you're doing, you're doing good things. The Lions and Brad Holmes have added 13 very important players in their for in their three drafts. In yeah. their first three drafts. Now that's how, that's not hyperbole. It's 13. I'm not talking about special teamers cuz I mean if we want to include those guys there's more. I'll, I'm going to name them off. So, in 2021, Penny Sewell, Aleem McNeil, Ifiatu Melifonwu, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Derek Barnes. All those guys played significant roles on Sunday. I would tell you that Levi Onzerike is emerging and mm-hmm. is, I don't know if it's because he's feeling better or if he's, re- if he's recovering from the back surgery or whatever it is, but he's starting to take a step that, that makes me hopeful about his future. Now, back injuries are, they're hard to overcome, but 
still, I'm not even counting him in this mix of 13, but he is, he's been good the last couple weeks. In 2022, you have Aiden Hutchinson in round one. You have Jameson Williams in round one. Josh Pascal in round two. Kirby Joseph in round three. Um, so those are part of the 13 I'm talking about. These players I'm not counting in the 13. James Mitchell has a role. Obviously not right now. He's got a hand injury. But right. he, you know, as a backup, he has a role. Malcolm Rodriguez is a special teamer. Important player. Mm-hmm. James Houston is coming back from, from a broken leg. And we all want to see him come back because of what he offered as a pass rusher last year. I didn't mm-hmm. count him in those 13, but that's he's an intriguing player. Chase Lucas is a special teamer, important player, right? So again, not counting the special teams guys or Levi in that 13. And then this year, it's Gibbs and Campbell and Laporta and Branch. It's 13 dudes who are really important pieces of your team. And then you've got a couple special teams guys. You've got some guys who are developing. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And it's totally abnormal for a general manager to have that kind of. Did you have Jerry Jacobs on there too? No, because he was that, not a pick. So, But he's not, a UDFA. I yeah, mean, so I'm not even counting. Benito Jones. Yes, I'm not counting free agents. I'm not. Okay. I'm just saying from the draft alone. There is 13 players that are that have a very prominent role with this team, and we see it every Sunday, every every game they play. You see things from these guys, and it's the the hit rate's abnormal for Brad. Yep. it just yep. is. So, doing an incredible job. No, just you're, incredible job. You're absolutely right in the fact that all of those guys are all on the team. Three years down the road, some you know, obviously the past year, sure. Last two yeah. years, sure. The guys from the very first draft are still here is remarkable because how many, I mean, you just go to other teams. If you go back to the 2021 draft, they don't have players from those drafts on their team anymore. They've been cut. They've got traded, whatever. The Lions have them all. They still have every single player that they've brought in outside of the UDFAs, which is understandable. They're UDFAs. But the players that they're drafting, they're keeping, they're developing, they're finding roles on special teams, depth. Um, and I, was, depth on I would say that because of their situation back in 2021, that it that it's not unreasonable to have players they drafted stay on their roster. What stands mm-hmm. out is that they're playing at a level right. like Melifonwu up until six weeks ago. We all, I didn't I don't know that anybody really thought he was going to turn into anything what he is but right. here, here he is it's you know it's three years later or whatever it is and he's performing at a pretty high level for you yeah right like and Amon Ra's gonna get he's gonna get paid and he deserves it Derek Bar- Barnes just had the game ceiling pick for you so right. I mean it's, it's not just that they're on the ride I and mean, that's important too but it's right. they're playing prominent roles and playing at a high level yeah, so I just you know it's like we've talked about this, but I didn't I didn't write up write the names down and look at the you know and what's happening and and then you know you throw in Rodriguez and Chase Lucas as as special teams guys and you throw in James Houston as a you know as a reserve kind of pass rusher Mitchell is your number two tight end, um, Onzerike is a backup defensive tackle, but he's emerging a little bit. That thirteen could be. I mean, you could say there's 17, 18 pieces in three years. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, re- it's absolutely verbalize just how much as draft guys that I'm that we appreciate 
what Brad Holmes has done. It's just, it's not normal. Nope. It's just not. Yeah. All right. On yeah. to the preview. <laughs> the, the days of Jordan Dizon and Teddy Lehman and Kevin Smith are dead. They are gone. Lost Bailey, baby. That's right. He was going to be so good. He was pretty good, yep. but uh, that's a yep. conversation for another day. Let's focus on the Niners. Um, look, I, I, I'll put it like this. This team runs more motion than just about anybody in the league. Uh, they run it 76% of the time, which is second most in the NFL. They love to run zone. 77% of the time, second most in the NFL. That's my biggest concern is the Lions' lack of ability to stop the zone this past weekend um, against the Bucks. John Kaminsky, Romeo Acora, Tyson Alalu, or however you say his name, these guys, yeah, yeah they, they were getting reached left and right. And it's one of those where they're getting displaced over multiple gaps and it's causing issues for the young playmaker that or player that Jack Campbell is. Yeah. And it's even causing issues for Alex Anzalone because these guys are kind of getting stuck in the wash and there's nowhere for them to go. And that's my biggest concern. The motion is because the Lions play a lot of man coverage, the motion and all this stuff, the pre-snap communication has to be on point. And the guys up front have to fight pressure with pressure. And if that means John Kaminsky takes off his stupid Terminator, all black visor, so be it. Whatever's got to be done because the guy go, he gets sick and he comes back, he turns into the Terminator. I don't know, but he did not play well on Sunday. There was not enough Benito Jones on the field. This is a team that moved out from Isaiah Bugs, And there's, there's some concerns up front. Uh, because it's really turning into a one-man show again with Aiden Hutchinson, yeah. and he and Ali McNeil is there. I get that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. if you, if you got guys getting reached against this team, it's going to cause a long day with Christian McCaffrey running the football. So that's my biggest concern. Um, yeah, I mean it's a valid it's a valid concern. He is McCaffrey to me. I, you know, I'm not sure it's arguable. I think he's the best running back in football. 100%. I don't think he's the most explosive running back in football, but but. There is a smoothness, um, you know, in the way he moves, he glides. He's he's difficult to get to the ground, catches the ball. He's dangerous there too. So yeah, I mean, it, it, he is he is a significant problem for them. Um, the Lions have done a really good job generally against the run, and I know they gave up some some bigger some bigger outside zone runs last week to Rashad White. And yes, those are it's a terrifying thought um for for you know to think about San Francisco just handing it off and chunks of yards and just making it easy. Yeah. Um you know, let's hope that the Lions can figure out, you know, they're staying, you know, in their gaps and and helping their linebackers out, but it's tough. Uh mm-hmm. I do think that Tampa probably has a better offensive line than the 49ers do. The 49ers have Trent Williams, and he's a he's a monster. Mm-hmm. But out on, but on the right side, you know, I don't think that there's a lot there where you'd say, you know, don't worry too much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but totally valid. Worried about the running game, and and you know, to me, I you know, I worry about I worry about that. I worry about Kittle running up the seams. Mm-hmm. I worry about Ayuk and the the yards after catch stuff. Yeah. Um, the Debo Samuel stuff, it's a, that'll be uh that's gonna be a huge component in whether the Lions win or lose this game. He is in some ways the heart and soul of that team. And if he's not there, they're different. 
So right now he's not practicing. This is we're recording on Wednesday night. Um, I don't know that he's going to play. You know, the if he does, I think he's limited. But still, it's it's one of those things where if he if he's not there, it's a it's a large part of of what they. It's a large part of the vibe that they that they offer that they're going to miss. Right. With Samuel being out. So, I mean, they have Ray Ray McLeod and, and, and Joan Jennings and they have options. It's just not the same. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you, you know, you worry about McCaffrey at the same time. If Debo's on the field, you have to worry about him taking handoffs and running jet sweeps and kind of stuff, too, where it's like, you know, there's a lot to worry about there. You yeah. got to worry about running, you know, say outside zone to your left. But then now they're running in motion. And there's a jet sweep going the other way to Debo and good luck tackling him. Right. You know, so that's a big, that's going to be a big thing. And it's just an unknown at this point. Um, I would expect the Lions to give up points. You know, I'm not saying this is going to look like if everybody remembers back to the Chargers game, I think the Lions won 41, 38, maybe, maybe. Um, I, I think we are looking at a higher scoring game where the offenses kind of push around the defenses a little bit, but you know, um, we've mentioned Purdy. Purdy is going to here and there give you opportunities to make plays. The Lions have to take advantage of that. Um, but yeah, legit, uh, the McCaffrey thing is a problem. It, it is. It's something that it's something that the Lions are really, really going to have to figure out play well. No, yeah, it, it absolutely. I mean, and it's one of those where you know you mentioned Debo, and I. I I feel like they're going to probably suit him up, see if he can go. If he takes a shot, we'll see what happens. My assumption is Gardner Johnson is going to be the first guy over him. That's my assumption, just because yeah. of the rivalry between the two. I could be wrong. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I I've I've thought all year that the Lions would maybe do more dime stuff against a run first team. Uh, maybe they don't do that. They probably are going to want the balance with the three linebackers in the box to try to stop it as much as they can, which makes sense. Uh, but if they start spreading the football out, they come out spread, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see something differently on defense. And again, maybe that's Branch and Gardner Johnson in the slot a little bit more. And that, I mean, again, that's what I would be doing um, because I just, I don't see anybody that's going to truly beat them deep like where you, you have four safeties that's i would be considering it i mean yeah. i'd have melifonwu and kirby joseph deep i would be having branch and gardner johnson in the slot yep and Vildor and um cam sutton maybe they go to more odd front stuff i i don't know maybe they condense it and have more of like a tight front there um, and try to eliminate some of those reach blocks. Again, yeah. the tackles will probably just get out in space at that point. But again, with the the, the safety help that you have and, and the, the speed off the edge, maybe that eliminates some of that outside zone stuff. But yeah, I like the idea of being able to run down things. Right. But and then I worry about, you know, hey, if you want to get smaller, we're just going to run at you. Right. Right. So there's a give and take there. Well, and yeah, and, and I mean, when you look at personnel-wise, the 49ers run 21 personnel 36% of the time and 11 personnel 39% of the time. Um, so, I mean, that's their primary things. They like to get the the formation with their fullback in there, and 
They like to move pieces around. So I mean, they they have options, but you, you again, you eliminate Debo, and that that football team changes. They they yeah. again earlier in the year they lost him, and they looked different. So it's it's really going to be interesting on how this whole thing shakes out. I mean, their injury report right now: Nick Bosa did not practice today, neither did Trent Williams. They both were resting. Uh, Eric Armstead was a full practice, but he has a foot and knee injury. Debo obviously with the shoulder. Drake Greenlaw has an Achilles. He played last week, so I'm assuming yep. he'll play. Um, and then Ambry Thomas and Greg Odom were both full practices or full participants in practice with injuries. But um, both teams are going to be banged up. Everybody's banged up. I mean, the season is just so long now. So I, I, I don't know. I just I, is I just weird not being like I, I'm not like oh man the 49ers were seven point favorites. I'm yeah. freaking out. I'm I'm just not like. Yeah, like like oh, you yeah, said, yeah. you said it before the show. Everything right now is an added bonus. Where we're at, it's a bonus. Yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. It really is. And yeah. as much as we worry about how you match up against their offense, I think the the Forty ers should be looking at what the Lions are doing and and being a little concerned about what the Lions do on offense. And I mean, they have their own issues. You know, they're yeah. not really they're not all that set up to defend heavy a uh, heavy run game they're just right. not no nope. so i mean you saw if anybody watched the, the game last week aaron aaron jones tore him up and he it's not that he had a ton of value but he had 18 carries um they had a hard time stopping him mm. and you have i hope i'm wrong about this but i think david montgomery got dinged in that game because he just didn't look he didn't look right in the second half and they went yeah. to gibbs a lot which i get but between Gibbs and Montgomery, um, I think they present unique challenges for the 49ers. And the 49ers have good linebackers, so I'm not saying they don't. I'm not saying they don't have good linebacker play. But I don't think that. Um, I don't think that like Chase Young is going to be hanging in, at, you know, and uh, swallowing lots of contact to make plays against the run. That's just not his game. Right. So I think there are opportunities for the Lions to to get creative and be very physical and you know heavy in the way they run and the way they run the football, which which is going to present the 49ers a challenge. It just is. Mm-hmm. And then there's the play action component of things where if you get that going and get Goff feeling good, you know, Amon Ra's going to have his normal day. Um I don't know exactly how, question for you, how do you think the 49ers are going to match up in coverage? Who's going to, I know Ambry Thomas is an outside corner, right? Yeah. Um, Who's going to wind up over Amon Ra? Well, if, I mean, if it's going to be, it depends on where he's aligned, right? But I I would assume it's going to be Charvarius Ward and Lenore. Those are going to be the two that really bounce back and forth over him. Yeah. Um, and they're going to try to limit him the, the most. Again, it depends on how everything gets aligned. I, I could see Ward being over Josh Reynolds because, I mean, Ward is a great corner. And he is. just a little side note, his defensive back coach, when he was coming into the league, he was at Mid-Tennessee State, reached out to me during the draft process and said, you have to talk with this kid. And I said, I'll check out his tape. Never got to the tape, never got a chance to talk with him. And it was one of those where I'm like, God, I wish I would have talked to that kid because yeah. he is such a stud. And I would have been probably the only person in the draft circle that got to talk to him. But 
he's a stud and he's a he's a lockdown corner. I mean, he really is. He was solid in, in uh, Kansas City. He's even better in San Francisco. So I would assume that's how that goes. I'm so thinking if it's Ambry Thomas, there's a that's a problem. Yeah, it could be. It could be Ambry Thomas. And if it is, it's a, you know I would expect penalties. I would be I would I would be going after him. Yeah. You know? it, it, again, it could be one of those where it's a is it a JMO spot? I mean, we feel defensively it's a Brian Branch spot because he's going to have to do a lot in space. And again, if he's able to jump a route or two. Perfect, right? I mean, it's one of those. It's going to be one of those types of things. So, it's it's going to be a physical game. You mentioned high scoring. I think I'm I'm with you there. Um, and it's just it, it's one of those games that never thought it would have been on the schedule. Winning the NFC North, winning two home playoff games, being in the NFC Championship game, and being 60 minutes away, win or lose to the Super Bowl, couldn't ask for anything more. Really, could not. No, would love to win, but if it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen, I guess. I mean, I'd be disappointed, I'd be upset, but um, yeah. I mean, it's, listen, it's a it's been a magical year, and and there's no reason to want that that uh, the run to end. So we're yeah. not we're not even <laughs> we're we're uh, we're straightforward, going straight ahead, expecting to have a show next week. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. talking about absolute craziness. Um, yep. That's that's my expectation, which makes me feel uncomfortable because this is the NFC title game. And it's the 49ers, right? So, but I'm confident with the, where the Lions are and how they're playing. I, but, you know, having said that, I expect them to give up big plays. They're yeah. going to get scored on. You know, yeah. the 49ers are going to make plays, but I think the Lions are super resilient. And there's just something about the way they're playing right now that gives you a, a, a there's an air of calm and confidence about what they're doing that makes me so uncomfortable. Um, but also like recognizing just how well they're executing things. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's awesome. And the lions have nothing to lose. They have everything to gain in this. They have nothing to lose because they've, they, they've never, they've never been this far. They're seven point underdogs and they're going to come out swinging because this could be it. Yeah. And I feel like a Dan Campbell coach team with these coordinators and these players being able to go out swinging that's that's a recipe for disaster if I'm the other team. That's a dangerous combination. That's a lethal combination. So I don't know. I, I just feel like there's going to be a lot of pressure on Kyle Shanahan and this coaching staff. I'm not saying they're not going to step up to the task and not make it close or not win. I mean, I, we're not doing predictions on the show. We've been no. over this, but it's one of those where, you know, they haven't been to the Super Bowl since 2019. They've had a bunch of First place finishes in the NFC West, and they can't get it done in the postseason. They've been to uh, three straight now NFC Championship games, and they've lost two in a row. So, I mean, if the pressure's on them, if they don't get to it, some would have to probably ask, "Is you know what's going on with Kyle Shanahan? Why can't yeah. he not win the big game?" It's similar to like Andy Reid when he was in Philadelphia all those years. So, yeah. I I don't know. I think I mean we're talking Dan Campbell. It's going to be fourth and 19, and he's, he's going to fucking go for it. He's just going to fucking straight up go for it. Yeah. You know what? I mean, at this point in time, um, we're all on board for the, for whatever, for whatever, however this shakes out. Yeah. But, you know, for me, just summarizing the, the, the feeling I have about it is it's not, I'm not worried about this matchup. It's a tough matchup. But, you know, I, th I thought the Rams game was a tough matchup. Yeah. 
I didn't think Tampa was an easy matchup for, no. for for the things that Tampa does well, and for the challenge that they that they presented. I thought was that was a tough game too. So the Lions deserve to be here, one hundred percent. They deserve to put themselves in this spotlight, and if they execute and they play a good game, if they execute and they play a good game, they can win this football game, and they should win this football game if they play well. Yep. And that's just where I'm at with it. If they don't play well, they're not going to win. If right. they do, you know, um, yep. it's right there, right in front of you. So, yeah, um, run the ball well. Don't turn the football over. Force a turnover or two. I yep. mean, Brock Purdy could have had two picks last week, and he didn't. They dropped yep. it. So, don't drop those. And and we're talking about a different football team this week. So, 100%. Uh, I'm excited. Um, I know you're excited. We're both excited. And and we know the entire, everybody here on the Detroit Lions Podcast Network is excited. So, of course, you guys can rate, review, and subscribe to Detroit Lions Podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all podcast plot platforms. And, of course, follow us on Twitter, X, at Russ NFL Draft, at Bischoff underscore Sky. You got anything else? No. Um, I'd love to say something, you know, something intelligent, but I've gone what forty minutes without doing that to this point. So <laughs> we'll finish there. I, I, you know, it's been a magical ride. It is, you know, I really don't think it's ending. Um, I, you know, I have really good vibes about this, and and it's, you know, maybe it's just this. It's a like a maybe I'm pregnant, and <laughs> it's maybe that's what it feels like. I, there's a glow about it, like, um, you know what I mean? Like, there's just a. It's just like this is awesome. It's yeah. just incredible where they are. Yep. And, you know, that's just, for me, that's where it is. It's, it's amazing where they are. Um, the year with my kids and with my family and doing this, and it's just been awesome and I don't want it to end. So we're, we're going to have a, we're going to have a show next week and the week after talking about a huge game. Absolutely. We absolutely will. So appreciate everybody for the support. Appreciate everybody for, for jumping on these with us every single week. We have a blast. So, yeah. um, Enjoy the game. We will talk to you guys next week right here on Bischoff and Brown with the Detroit Lions podcast. Let's bring it here together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. You've had enough of that shit.